Welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're going to be talking about a Mexican film called uh, Batwoman, uh, La Mujer Murcielago. We should be clear, it's Batwoman, like two, two words for yes. copyright reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's a film from 1967, says the end credits, 1968, says IMDb. But it's clearly a film that's writing the Batman television show craze, uh, as well as the James Bond. It has a kind of a glamorous but campy, low-rent kind of feel uh, that I found really enjoyable. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's, as, as with the previous film we talked about, this is not great cinema. I mean, compared to this one, The Witch's Mirror is like Citizen Kane, really. But, uh, <laughs> it's, but it's, hu- it's hugely enjoyable. Although the, like the movie description, and as, as you've described it correctly, it, it's, it's clearly, you know, the whole concept of the Batwoman, the Batwoman is, is ripped off Batman. You know, the look of it is based on the Adam West series of a couple of years earlier but actually the genre, the genre of film it's in really is these mexican is it luchador Luta, I don't know yeah, Luta Libre. yeah yeah these mexican wrestling films which by that point had turned into these films where, where wrestlers got involved in these sci-fi or spy or whatever plots you know they would be masked wrestlers often they would remain masked for the entire film you would never actually see the faces you do you do see the batwoman's face in this the plot would break off every now and again for a for a wrestling match in the ring which 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 happens in this so it's kind of it's kind of interesting that it's 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 a effectively a luchadora film uh, but yeah but it's also riffing on on Batman and on on James Bond and on like the creature from the Black Lagoon a little bit as well. So and it's... and horror film in general. Mm. I mean, yeah, you know, there's a mad scientist who goes ha 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 ha. <laughs> there's a mad scientist and he literally has a sidekick called Igor. Igor. Which... <laughs> <laughs> and half of his face is scarred by acid. Right. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, a, is a, I mean, that's Two-Face from Batman, so he, he sort of turns into Two-Face from Batman. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one sees this, this whole link. What makes it so enjoyable to me is that it has a kind of glamour, right? Mm. You know, so the Batwoman, who, like Bruce Wayne, is the richest woman in Mexico or whatever, <laughs> who devotes herself to crime and wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's 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 both glamorous and funny, and it kind of um, tells you a lot about the aspirations of the culture. Yeah, you know? I, I think if I if, yeah if if I was trying to sum up the tone of this film to somebody, I'd just say it's a film where the the lead character attends an autopsy wearing a bikini. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and no one uh, refers to this. It's I just know. like, oh, hello. Oh, here's Batman. <laughs> but it's very interesting because all the superheroines of the comic books of the 60s, they did wear outfits like that. Yeah, right? abs- abs- absolutely. You know? absolutely. So, so, but to see it in non-animation, yeah, has a different impact because, you know, there is this woman with this fabulous body in a bikini going to an autopsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, the interesting thing is, and particularly in, in, in the context of a Mexican film, this is, you know, a woman who, you know, she's leading the film. The, yeah, the police are baffled and can't cope with this case, so they bring in the Batwoman, who's the only person who can help them. And she's running around, she... Uh, she catches the villains. She rescued the, the two. You know, the, there's a scene where, the, where her two male sidekicks 
end up tied up on the boat and she's the one who goes and rescues them which is is unusual i think i took an image of that because it's so striking yeah so so the men are tied by their hands to the ceiling right and she is brought into the room and the room itself has you know all of these james bond screens that are not quite digital they're still mechanical but it's kind of like the idea of a future in a past yeah, it's it's kind of it's a very fascinating film, I think, for all kinds yeah, of reasons, yeah, really. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons that I thought was interesting is that it's it's an exploitation film, I think. Yeah, there's a woman undressed, right? Um, it's addressed at geeky boys. There's that horror cinema background to it, right? Uh, and yet it's quite camp. You know, which I always associated with gay subcultures. You think, yeah, is it kind of intentionally camp? Uh, is it camp just because you see its intention so clearly? Like, you know, every attempt at undressing this woman. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's quite a sexist film in some ways. So what you say is right. That, you know, here is the superheroine who, who fights better than a man, is richer than a man, is smarter than the man, and so on. And yet, at the end of the film, she's scared of a mouse, just to reassure everyone. I actually hated that ending, really, because it's it's it just sort of brings in this ridiculous bit of sexism at the end, but, yeah. which is a, is, a, is a real shame. There, there's a very interesting interview, which I'll send you a link to, from the New York Times about the restoration of, of this film. And the, the restoration was spearheaded by uh, Viv, a woman called Viviana Garcia Besne, and, she, and she's, you know, is she's from a family of film producers and apparently her grandfather pioneered these these wrestler movers movies it was her grandmother who suggested that they try women wrestlers in these movies which is what ultimately led to this film being made in the first place oh, wow. so that's quite interesting the the other interesting thing is about the um the later career of mara monty who plays the batwoman so she stopped acting in the 70s and speculation is at that point Kind of Mexican exploitation films were starting to require a lot more nudity, and she didn't want to do that, which is yeah, fair enough. But she, she actually became a journalist and um, hosted an arts program on TV and was interviewing people like Carlos Fuentes, oh, August Loga, things like that. <laughs> um, then in the early 90s, she, she became a teacher in, in San Cristobal, settled down with her second husband, a poet and educator. Um, and she's, she's still around. There's, a, there's a, a brief interview that's been done with her over WhatsApp on, on the, this article. So, so yeah, she's, she's not acted since the 70s, but she's still, still around. Yeah, nice. I, I thought she was fabulous because she's got this very interesting look with that flipped hairdo and then these green blue eyes, yeah, which I also think it's kind of interesting when non-northern countries, who the majority of the population kind of is all kind of brown-eyed, when you know their ideals are kind of fairer-eyed, right? And so she struck me as that. It's interesting that. You know, yeah. so there's a kind of a self-colonization involved, I think, in these choices. Yeah. So, you know, she's very beautiful, statuesque, you know, this great body. And then these green blue eyes, right, that add, I think, to, you know, her desirability. So I, I just want to underline this thing about glamour and aspiration, because the film is set in Acapulco. You know, it's all 
boats and scuba diving and fancy cars and nice apartments, right? And obviously, a particular attraction, yeah, in a country that was a lot poorer in the mid-60s than it is now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, her, her entry to the film is, is she kind of parachutes from a plane, parachutes onto the beach, wearing a bikini, a bikini. to meet the police. And that's, that's kind of you know, the, the glamour of this film. And yeah. she also drives, I mean, the cars, she pretty much drives a different car every, every, every time. time. Car. Yeah. And what, one of which is apparently a, um, a non-modified version or non-customized version of the same model they use for the Batmobile in, in the Batman series. So that's kind of slightly cheeky. <laughs> so, and, and actually one of the things I, I suppose I wanted us to discuss was the thing about production values, right? And, and production values in context, because I thought, well, on the one hand, the production values are really not much better than the Batman TV series, right? On the other hand, I kind of found them impressive and inventive and so on, uh, in a way that, that, you know, I mean, I loved the TV series as a child. But, you know, when you look at that costume of, Pisces, the man fish, <laughs> you know, and the special effects that they use to show that they're underwater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the design, the suit, the effects, I mean, it actually calls for you know, a great deal of imagination, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and I think, you know, the, the look of it is a deliberate choice. I mean, the colors, the, the style of the costumes, the set design, because it's it's essentially, it is trying to look like the Batman TV series. It's very, yes. very clear. Even though, you know, to be honest, the, although she's called Batwoman and she dresses up as a bat and fights crime, she doesn't behave in any way really like Batman does in the even in the, in the TV series or in the comic. You know, it's it's a wrestling movie where at the last minute someone said, "Oh, hang on, we can make this, we can do a Batman ripoff." You know, um, so I think I thought it was more like a Batman Bond ripoff than a wrestling movie, actually, because there are you know relatively few wrestling elements. And then they're not shown as quite the spectacle that they are in some of the male films, where yeah, the yeah. wrestling itself is the centerpiece. I never felt that the wrestling here was a centerpiece. It was yeah, yeah. You know, a way of describing her physical activities or, or yeah. you know, giving us a reason. Well, yeah. Well, one interesting thing about the wrestling scenes is, I mean, as, as is, although obviously when she's wrestling, you only see her with the mask on, it's very clear that it's not. Her. It's not our, act, our lead actress doing She's the wrestling. It's a completely different body. <laughs> yeah, it has. Uh, let's just say much more of a female wrestler's build than yeah. our, <laughs> our character does. Uh, but but apparently the reason for that is is not that she couldn't do it. It's it's that either her or her and the producers did it as a favor to the female wrestlers because at that point female wrestlers were banned from working professionally as wrestlers. Oh, so they basically basically those scenes where you've got you know four female wrestlers in the ring, including the female wrestler playing the, the wrestler version of Batwoman. Um, she's there effectively giving employment to some wrestlers who, who at that point weren't allowed to work. So that, that's quite, quite nice. Ah, oh, fascinating. Um, one of the things that I found distancing in the film, uh, and that is because I am, you know, a Spanish speaker, is that it's so clearly dubbed. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, they all were at that point, I think. Uh, but in this one, it's more obvious than in others. The lips move at a slightly different pace. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and that does become a cheapening dimension. Yeah. In in the film. 
But I love the whole Pisces fish conquering the world. I liked it almost as much and for many of the same reasons that I like the Bond films. Obviously the Bond films have a million times the budget than this one does, but actually the pleasures are not that different. It's very much like one of those slightly low rent British or American Bond ripoffs of of the same era, like the, the sort of sixties Bulldog Drummond films or you know, the one with Sean Connery's brother yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever, or, or the those ones with, uh, I can't what they call the ones with James Coburn, um, Armand Flint, is it? Um, all, all, all those kinds of things, all things like Danger Diabolic, the, the Italian stuff. Mm. Um, it also obviously is a monster film. Yeah, like yeah, you said, the yeah. creature from the Black Lagoon, this is Pisces, the manfish, you know, who is the antagonist. And actually, I've been reading um, so much about uh, Godzilla recently, right? And, you know, there are all of these national allegories kind of that are described through the figure of Godzilla and so on. And I'd be very curious to read like some Mexican writer or scholar on films like this and to see, you know, is there a greater allegorical significance to them that we as outsiders are not getting? Right? Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. One of, one of the articles about this I read, I think it's a bit of a stretch, but reference the similarity of the creature to the creature in, in The Shape of Water. Ah, uh, no, no, I, I think that is there. Because obviously Del Toro, as, as, a, as, a, as a Mexican, would have would be familiar with this. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll, look that, I'll, I'll try and get some images from The Shape of yeah, Water because yeah. now that you mention it, I see it. I mean, in this film it's red, which is not the case with Del Toro, but the shape of the head certainly is very, very similar indeed. Um, the last thing I want to mention which caught my eye at the very beginning of the film is that the producer gets a credit that says a film by, and then you have uh, the producer's name, uh, Guillermo Calderon Stell, I think. And then after that, it says directed by René Cardona. So that's an interesting film that it doesn't say produced by, it says a film by, una película de, right? But that's attributed to the producer and then, and not the director, which I thought was that's very interesting. interesting. So I guess that must be a producer who was very heavily associated with the genre of, of wrestling movies or whatever. And so effectively you would go, you were more likely to go and see the new, whatever, you know, producer name film than the director film. Or a bit like in the Bond films where you, you know, Cubby Broccoli is, is a sort of, bigger name in the credits of the film, I guess, than some of the directors. Or like Samuel Goldwyn. It's a Samuel mm. Goldwyn film directed yeah, yeah. by William Wyler, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was the source of the conflict. But anyway, a kind of an interesting kind of case study for someone to kind yeah, of explore. Yeah, these no, that's interesting. The, the other thing I was going to mention was, and with my, I've got to put my nerd head on here. I knew there was a, a Batwoman in the in the Batman there comics, is, yeah, um, there is there is now and there was in the past, and I yeah. wasn't quite sure of the timeline. When the original Batwoman was introduced in the mid fifties, um, and it was a character called Kathy Kane who um, decided to dress as a bat and fight crime. Uh, but the the interesting, particularly to, from what you were saying about the gay angle of this film, the reason Batwoman was introduced was in response to the Frederick Wortham uh, seduction of the innocents stuff, oh. where he he accused the Batman comics as being you know, designed to appeal to, to homosexuals, in quotes, and uh, you know, Batman and Robin or Bruce and Dick were 
were portrayed as a gay couple, which actually, if you look at a few, there are some frames there's where clearly, there clearly is being into that. <laughs> oh, there's clearly imagery there that's, that's designed to show that. And so as a, in response to that in the mid-50s, they introduced Batwoman as a love interest for Batman. So actually Batwoman was a bit of a rubbish character. She was always, she was trying to fight crime with her lipstick-based gadgets yeah. and uh, would usually get captured and need to be rescued. And But she was always, she was in love with Bruce Wayne and, and always in love with Batman and wanted to marry him. Then they later introduced her niece, who was the original Batgirl, who similarly was a love interest for Robin. Um, but this was mid-50s and they then dropped those in the mid-60s or early 60s and replaced the female equivalent was Bat, the new Batgirl, who was, who's the Barbara Gordon Batgirl who you see in the series. So basically Batwoman did exist in the comics, but wasn't in use at the time this film was made. The other sort of unrelated but interesting thing is there was actually an American film called um, The Wild World of Batwoman, which was 1966, which was you know, essentially, again, completely designed to cash in on the Batman TV series. Uh it's online and looks pretty terrible. Um, but basically, an interesting angle on this is DC uh, sued the producer for, um, uh, Jerry Warren was the producer, sued him for copyright infringement, and they lost the lawsuit. So maybe they'd not actually registered the Batwoman name properly or something. So it does kind of explain how this film managed, manages to exist and manages to be released in the States. Of of uh, interest as well as there was a bad woman tv series uh of a few years ago yeah yeah which had real lesbian overtones yeah yeah so the so the batwoman was reintroduced into the comics at some point in the 2000s i think and again as, as a as a bisexual or, or lesbian character yes so. mm. and of course the bad girl film which was completed and which people thought was great was destroyed as a tax write-off for this yeah so basically if you want to see um you know if you're disappointed that you weren't able to see the big budget um, warner brothers batgirl film um you can now go on to movie and you can watch the batwoman film yeah. well i think <laughs> and it's, it's a, just as good <laughs> i think it's important because you know we've been talking about how the film relates to the horror genre and the monster uh genre and the james bond films uh, you know, but this is also kind of a part or a part of the Batman universe history. I mean, it's a tangential part. It's a it's a rogue uh, part of it, but it's also very much a part of it, I think. Yeah. And I wonder, I, I, I more, have to dig around more to find out, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if this character, this Batwoman character has been, may well have been referenced in the comics in some kind of, they often do these weird little cameo multiverse things like they did in, in the Flash movie where you yes. get the, the Nicolas Cage version of Superman or whatever. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if there's some comics where suddenly you see this Mexican Batwoman in a, in a bikini <laughs> and, it, and it's the, you know, and it's it's the Batwoman, the Batwoman from, from this film. I think we also uh, need to say that um, this film is our last discussion of the movie series uh, called Spectacle Every Day, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, so, uh, and it's been a great uh, run of films. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's one, I think, that's made me want to know more about Mexican film and the Mexican film industry. It's, it's dealt very interestingly with, all, with a range of, of popular cinema, of which uh, this is uh, but an example. Uh, and uh, I'm going to get Dolores Tierney, who's an expert on these matters, onto our podcast.
to give us a, a series of different contexts uh, on mm. them uh, in the next little while. <laughs> yeah, great, great. But yeah, it's been a really interesting series, and, and I think they um, just, as, as you say, just the range of genres from you know gothic horror to to this kind of pop culture wrestling superhero mashup um it has has been fascinating and and uh all, all well most have been very nice restorations but i think a couple weren't but this and one and this one was a very nice restoration oh it's really nice and, and there's actually a, an unrestored copy on youtube uh which i'll send i'll send you a link to because actually comparing the just the the, the look of that kind of washed out colors and everything to the kind of popping you know primary colors of, of, of this one is is you know like night and day really mm. so i highly recommend it as a you know it's a great fun watch yeah definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you very much for listening we are thinking aloud about film i'm jose i'm richard bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.